0: Jack Torrance becomes winter caretaker of an isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado. Hoping to cure his writer's block, he settles in along with his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny, who is plagued by psychic premonitions. As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac, hell-bent on terrorizing his family.
1: I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and we live them in the present. This week's movie is The Shining, released in the year 1980, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and let's go around the table and do some introductions and let's let everybody know what we've been watching lately. This is
2: Jamie. I just signed up for Disney Plus, and I'm doing what you did, Chad. I'm going Marvel movies in order of release, and Iron Man is pretty great. I, I think it's been years since I've seen it. That movie holds up.
3: Yeah, Casey here. I'm actually, uh, haven't been playing a lot of games. Uh, I dove back into my Nintendo Switch, been playing a lot of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So,
1: I know.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Chris. I have recently watched Jojo Rabbit, which I absolutely loved. I have just been uh, fanboying about it for like the last two or three weeks. I think it's easily a movie that might make it into like my top ten movies. Outside of that, I've also started um, The Morning Show from Apple TV, which I wasn't sure what to expect. I hated the first episode and then like have slowly been enjoying it more and more. I think we're about five episodes in. Uh, but I have to say, not a Jennifer Aniston fan.
1: I never have been either. It doesn't do it for me. All right, and I'm surprised y'all didn't say this either. I feel like I've been watching a ton of Michael Bloomberg ads because everything wow. I watch is Michael Bloomberg. So Bloomberg, my boy. Yeah, but... No, I'm just kidding. He's not. Yeah, thank, thank goodness. I uh, won't be seeing those anymore. But uh, in all seriousness, I've been going down the Robotech rabbit hole, kind of reliving my childhood. So um, yeah, I've been about halfway through the uh, first saga and that. So again... I know it's animated, anime, but it's way ahead of its time. Came out in '84, so definitely check that out. So, yeah. Also, sent me down the rabbit hole too of the old Robotech defenders models I used to put together as a kid. Man, I love it. I literally have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's the coolest. It's very
2: nerdy. So, Um, like paper mache robots. What are we? Or did were they models with? Okay. Max. But but what? like
1: plastic or oh, Lego. No, like yeah, model airplanes. Yeah, airplane. yeah, model okay. airplanes, model gotcha. cars, model Max. Did you gotcha.
3: paint them then too?
1: No, I didn't. You didn't do the bar. painting. No. no, but I did the super super like the decals that you'd have to like dip in the water oh, yeah. and then apply with a tweezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that when I was like 7 or 8, you know.
3: Dang. Got to be a uh, dexterous to Is that the word? Dex- Is it? Dexterous. dexterous? It just make dexterous. it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think dexterous. Yeah, like a surgeon is highly dexterous. Yeah. The, so you had to be quite dexterous. dexterous?
1: Is that a word? That
3: I doesn't feel right at no. all.
0: I think Moving it, on. It, that felt way more better than way more <laughs> way, better. Better. way better way better than what was previously said. Cool. Yeah. Let's words the, the, are hard. Let's ask the English major. <laughs> I think dexterous is a word. Some people have a way with words; others have
1: not way. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Speak good, we do. Wait, that was actually a fine sentence. Anyway, Now, for the topic of the show, let's talk about The Shining. Did anybody have any hot takes they want to go on? Conversation Wait, Well, I'll, I'll just jump in right away. He's like... <laughs> 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 I mean, I got, I got lots of, like, uhs and shrugs. So Anyone want to talk? Yeah, talk? I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. This um, is T-ball, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I hopped in... Um, I I realized about 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, I was like, I don't think I've actually watched this movie before. And so I think, like, then, like, I think I maybe seen the last 30 minutes because I feel like that is like most of the scenes you see always replayed when you get, like, have anyone talk about this film or if there's like, they're showing like what, like, the most rewatchable scenes of this movie are. I feel like that's toward like the end. That I remember, but man, I was like, I I didn't know what the shine was. I guess I didn't remember anything about whatever the the theme or the story was of this movie.
3: Yeah, it's Which, funny to that because uh, I when I was when we were, when I was just watching it, I was thinking, I don't think uh, I. I knew the story of The Shining from The Shining. I, I learned about the story of the movie from its references and other things. So I think right. the, vividly The Simpsons. The Simpsons right? Treehouse. I think, yes. I, I, think yes. I saw that way before I ever saw The Shining. And so then I saw the actual movie and I was like, wow, they actually did a pretty good job of emulating that story in a single episode of The Simpsons.
0: That's something, too, that I was going to bring up is that yeah. rewatching it now, it. Really gave me a greater appreciation for how many like pop culture references yeah. was yep. taken from this movie. Yeah. It is incredible to me, and The Simpsons being one. And I I now like looking back at it I'm like, oh, all right, like that makes sense. But, like the here's Johnny. There are just so many like little nuggets. I feel like that maybe I just it wasn't he's aware not of or, here, Mrs. Torres.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't realize, and that
0: to me was a, a really cool view, like viewing experience this time.
1: Tony is a is a little little boy that lives in his stomach. little boy that lives in his, no. mouth. his mouth. He, yeah. hides, he in hides in his stomach. stomach. Yes. Yeah.
2: yes. Yeah. Did you guys read the book? Anyone? No. No. Okay. Just I can't curious. read. It's, you,
1: <laughs> that's, I we're know, learning that's why we're right, I, I'm coming out. I'm sorry. Well, you have English know. major. You've read the book. And I've, you're, I've big Stephen, book. Yeah, you're yeah, big I'm a big Stephen King fan
2: yourself. Big Stephen King fan. But it's it's been forever. I mean, that was kind of why I asked. I was hoping someone had some more recent content. Help <laughs> me out, guys. Yeah, help me out. But no, I, I, I do know one thing, though, that um, Stephen King hates this movie. I think it's his mm-hmm. most
0: reviled adaptation of his work. He he said that I think the quote that I read is that he thought that visually the movie was stunning, but hated the yeah the way that they actually like told the narrative yeah. and like the narr- the way that that was driven. That makes sense.
2: I think it's just well, Chris, you were mentioning this before the show,
0: just kind of what happens with Jack. Yeah, I you know one of the things that I found really strange about this is that I felt like there wasn't a huge. Um, like, I guess I, I felt like the, the turn for Jack, going crazy, happened too quickly for me. It didn't feel like there was much of a transition for me. It, it felt like it, it happened very quickly. No crescendo. Yeah. And yep. so that, to me, was really interesting. And I look at this, and it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, which, like, that's a lot of, like, runtime where... I get that they have a lot to, to put in there and some of the backstory with the shining stuff, but I feel like that could have been a much slower and more methodical turn than what we did. And I was mentioning in our, in our group chat too, that it's really interesting where we've been going through these movies with Kubrick and Kubrick, it seems has this really interesting fascination with the idea of like transformation. And we were, Previously, we did um, two thousand and one, a space odyssey, and I thought about like the idea of like Hal in that transition and change from like being like a good kind of robot or like a a better like nicer person and changing into um, something not so much, and then the transformation when we will talk about this here um, in a little bit. But you think about uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character in uh, Full Metal Jacket and like that transformation from sane to. Um, insane and then similarly here I think like the idea is that Jack is supposed to be slowly like finding his way to madness Um, and I feel like in my opinion that wasn't done in a slow enough fashion but again like this transformation from like being sane to insane and it's just very interesting like that feels like a major trope to me based on you know watching these movies in pretty like short succession that's just really interesting
3: well, I was going to say, I think if you think about the timeline of his madness outside of just the context of the movie, like I think they hinted the fact that he's been going south for a while. Uh, when they they reference yank it on Danny's arm, I don't know if they mention it. That is he? Do they mention outright in the movie that he's a recovering alcoholic? Or they? They do. They, yeah. They, yeah they, well, do it's they gonna... call it or imply it?
0: Do they call I feel it? I like think it's implied. I think it's well, more implied. He says yeah. it at the bar. He says no. He says it. At no, the his interview. wife. His wife talks about it in the interview with, um, with, with the, the doctor, oh, yeah. and yeah. she says he hasn't touched a drop in five months. But then later on, when he's at the bar, he says three years. And there's a um, oh, interesting. I didn't. Yeah, catch there's that. a cognitive dissonance between the two dates that were given on the last time that he's
2: drank. Right, he it does come up in the interview though too with um I can't I can't think of the hotel
0: manager's oh, well, name but he's because we're taking out the booze for the well yeah so winter. it's not the interview is after he'd got it it was when they were doing the tour and he was talking about taking all the booze from the gold room oh and he says three years at that yeah. stage okay got it
3: but either way I think they hint there that that he's been like going crazy this whole time so while I agree the crescendo of it was kind of slow I think that was kind of deliberate showing like this dude's on the edge taking he's desperate taking this job dragging his family to this hotel uh when in the interview in the beginning when the the guy asked like how his wife and kid will feel about it and then talks about the horrible thing that happened and about what his wife and kid will think um he was just so quick to say yeah, hey they're fine they'll love it so like he was just so desperate he'd say whatever to take the job so i think it was showing he was kind of at his end and maybe just the isolation that's interesting he snapped yeah. i like
0: the idea of like the like the the whole like abuse piece with the kid and like the dislocation and like that being a part of that and it is a, a longer more drawn out piece because think about it now too I'm trying to remember in that interview he talks about he was a school teacher do we know why he quit being a school teacher was it just to write this book I, it feels like maybe there should be more there or there was and I missed it
1: I w- I was getting the feeling that the writing of the book has become secondary after failing with all these things previously. Yeah. Right? He was a mm-hmm. teacher. Then he also it, it talks later about, like, working at, like, the car wash. This idea that he's yeah. just, like, it's kind of got this idea of an alcoholic, can't keep a job.
3: Well, and, and the writing a book, right, they don't reference other <clears throat> writings he's done or if this is his second book. Right. And the guy clearly doesn't know who he is, so he's not, like, an acclaimed writer. So why do you need to go find isolation to do your masterpiece? You've never written a book.
1: Yeah, so that's the part I was trying to get to. Is like yeah. I don't think that he is like an, a writer. He thinks that he is a writer, and maybe this has something to do with that with Wendy is like into this horror genre, and he is like wants to go off and try to write a book. But yeah. there's nothing implied or like at all saying that he actually had authored anything previously. Right,
2: and that's and that's also what makes me wonder if he's not
1: fucking with King more than is
2: immediately clear because. The one reason I think that, uh, aside from what we've already mentioned about him being a writer but not really, is – so the opening scene in their apartment, did you guys notice all the books? Yes. Like that is so – it's, yes. it's yes. ridiculous. I, Every yes. nook and cranny that's, right. that could have books, there's books everywhere stacked, right. piled. They're in the window seals. Yes. It's, yes. I did notice that. Yeah, and it's – I've seen this movie probably ten times, and I didn't really notice it until this time. But I'm like, he's playing it for laughs because it's so crazy that it's hilarious, you know?
0: One thing I wanted to just make mention that you made me think of is uh, one of my favorite parts about this entire movie is literally the first five minutes. Like that whole scene of them driving, uh, Jack driving up to the actual hotel and the credits going and like yeah. this, That's that, stunning.
1: It also the felt music. nauseating. Oh yeah, because like you got the camera, like you're kind of it's in it's low. moving.
0: It's like it's like Helic- it's moved, the yeah.
1: helicopter is moving, yep. but also the car is moving, and the war the road is winding down yeah. the road that the car right. is moving. It's just like kind of. Oh, dis- I thought it was or-
0: intoxi- intoxicating. And the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And the the soundtrack. That's the thing that oh, got yeah. me from the get. Yeah. Was uh, yeah. once I heard that like first, like synth line, I was like, oh, I was like, I gotta look this up. I bet this is like the same person that did the Clockwork Orange soundtrack. And it is, and maybe we can get to that later. But Wendy Carlos is the one that did the soundtrack for this. Did the soundtrack for Clockwork Orange. Did the soundtrack for Tron. Probably one of like the biggest like influences in like electronic music. Like electronic mu- music like pre seventies. Like EDM. Rock. No, like pre Craftwork. Like Columbia University shit. So yeah, if you want to check it out watch a youtube video on it don't want to go too deep in it but yeah but like the soundtrack from the get-go that like heavy like synth moog sound which is like very um identifiable by that sound to that instrument um which is like one of the very first like synth ever created but yeah the soundtrack is just awesome it's amazing so dark
3: yeah well in that that first line it's a silly tangent but that first line that dun dun so I, i spent four or five years working at a haunted house yeah. That was the main riff of the theme that played in The Haunted House. I've heard that line <laughs> hundreds of thousands of times on repeat <laughs> for hours and hours. So it, was, it took so me a little that, back yeah, I, when I started it. But, man, it just sets the tone yeah. so well. And every
2: time, too, I've, I've seen this movie, like I said, 10, 12 times. Every time that opening tone, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's actually, the, that was a point I wanted to bring up. That's uh, I'm, I'm not a horror guy at all. I don't really like horror movies. But this one I like that it kind of avoids that whole, ooh, happy family. Like, uh, what was that horror movie with Ryan Reynolds where they buy Amityville horror, they buy the house, and then yeah. happy family. Yeah. Then he goes crazy and almost kills. It doesn't start happy. Like it start, You go into this thing and you're like, okay. We're not starting great. and it's just the, the long widey drive in the middle of nowhere, and you know that something bad's gonna happen from the get-go. And I think that's kind of why I appreciate the fact that Jack Nicholson was kind of already nuts. Like his character was nuts going into it because it just shows like how quickly, like from the day that people left, to th- him just passing out at his typewriter that was like two days the dude went nuts days after yeah. people left
1: it was a month wasn't it it, it oh, was, was over it a month, whole month?
0: because it was the, there was there was a month and it, then it was it goes a month and it, it goes like Monday, every two days for like a week then after like a week it goes like
2: do you guys want the narrative structure i wrote it down for yeah this yes. reason sure. give yeah. it to us because i think this is it too like we're talking about madness the film is doing this it's it's you're not. It's not a thorough linear thing. It's meant to fuck with your head. So, um, and I'm just going from the cue cards that they give us. So, it goes the interview, closing day, a month later, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, eight a.m., four p.m.
1: Uh, That's where yeah.
2: the story takes yeah. place.
0: Love it. It's so bizarre. It's so, yeah. I think too, one of the things that I find really interesting i too like i struggle with horror movies um but like i looked at i watched this night i I never felt like it like felt that much like a horror movie even like like i thought it felt so tame in comparison to like what i think of a horror movie now and not growing up in the 80s it's hard for me to really be able to say like was this a horror film at that time but i I have to believe like some of those like when did um the, like, Friday the 13th stuff. When did that stuff come out? Or even, you know... Early the, 80s. Was it early the 80s? Early yeah, mid-80s. Might have been the same year. I think it might have been mm-hmm. 80 yeah. And the I think yeah. of, oh, like, one. Texas Chainsaw oh, yeah. Massacre. That had to have been around that, that Late seventy seven. Yeah. And, like, those are the movies that I think of. And so, like, to call this a horror movie, like, I don't know. I think it's more like a, a psychological thriller is, like, the way that I would think of it. Is that it, like, it keeps you thinking. You're seeing this, like, transition. And there are horror element elements, but...
1: Right, and this is what Kubrick does, though. He takes, like, the... I heard somebody describe this as, like, Kubrick takes, you know, for, exa- for example, horror. He takes, like... Um, takes the genre, and they go... Takes the genre and, like, scrapes the barnacles off and just kind of r- does something new with it, you know? Like, takes these kind of old tropes and just kind of has a different direction and a different turn on it. And, like, he does take... S- takes King's story, and he alters it, which... You know, Kubrick loves to do with everything. I think the only thing that he didn't get the change was Spartacus, because he came in late on that. But I think if you go back now and watch Spartacus, that is not like doesn't seem like a Kubrick film compared to all these. But
2: yeah, what would Spartacus be with the Kubrick twist?
0: I haven't even seen the original. Finds a wormhole to Jupiter. All the aliens.
1: Yep. Yeah. Right. (laughs) There's like some kind of weird like dream sequence in there oh yeah it never happened never right right.
2: Spartacus is like a guy in Brooklyn who just
1: wakes up yeah yeah all the people that stand up and say I'm Spartacus and Spartacus kills them all (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh -uh. I am the real Slim Shady
1: please stand up
3: it felt like this was the and and again I'm not a a Kubrick expert but felt like this was the movie that he was really trying to flex his cinematography this is the one where I, I remember just seeing different visuals especially like the patterns and the rugs as Danny's like you got the behind Danny view as he's driving around some of those shots like following him driving around moving through this giant building were just stunning they were really cool uh, really good composition with the colors and the angles that they were kind of taking with all that
0: even some of the like Native American like, his, like some of that stuff too that you see like all of that like everywhere I, I think of that big mural in the um, like yeah. just above the uh, the fireplace and I I always thought that was like stunning. Mm-hmm.
1: The Danny and the bike thing, I just want to touch on that quick. That was like the coolest, like sonic kind of experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The. The floor to the rugs, the floor to the rugs, the the floor to the rugs. And it's just like Kubrick is just kind of showing, like, the space Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the building that they're in by just going around that loop a couple times. But, like, the Native American thing, if you want to... I watched the Room 237 documentary, or most of it. I was like, oh, this is just, like, some crazy, like, conspiracy theory-like stuff. But the thing about the Native American genocide is, like, probably the thing that... If you want to use that as, like, the the background theme or subliminal theme in the film i yeah. would probably buy that one the most it kept sure. showing
0: up too in like the storeroom like the um the calumet I, calumet yeah. Yeah. yes exactly yeah,
2: yeah. that one's I'm, I'm glad you brought that up chad because i love that movie and not because i believe all the theories but because that movie is in english class with too many pretentious kids that goes on <laughs> yes. for too long right and right. i love it right. like humorously on that level right but I yeah, I agree too, and that's kinda of where I got the you know, this movie is messing with us, like the window in the manager's office. I think that one I I like the most. It's they call it the impossible window because showing you the geography of the hotel, like when Danny's around. That would be his like in wheel, the middle of the building. It'd be in the like middle of the building. That. that would be a wall. So I I don't know what he's trying to say with that, if not just to make Well mess again, with that's what head, Kubrick
1: but. does is he doesn't like there's lots of like continuity stuff in a lot of his films like when it's like when they show up to the hotel and the hotel manager is walking with them past the hedge and they're walking towards the building and there's like a car coming towards them and the next scene it cuts to them like walking and like there's just like no it just kind of cuts and like you think the car would be like hitting them Mm -hmm. but just Mm. so and like when uh, I think when Dick Holleran walks was showing like Wendy like where all like the food is they walk into the storage room then when they walk out, it's, like, the same direction, but the door is on the opposite side. So it's, like, weird. a reverse shot, but it's not a reverse shot. Like, it's making it, you think that they're coming out of the room the same way, but... Oh, that's weird. So it's just, like... Yeah, so, like, Kubrick's always fucking with you. It's always, he's always trying to make you feel, like, uneasy, I guess, but...
3: Is that in every Not, one of his films, or is this to try to get you uneasy and a little bit crazy, like, like Jack is?
1: That's I just heard it on the commentary, oh, so sure. I haven't like gone back and rewatched the, his yeah. other movies now, just to kind of catch on that. But that's what this person was saying. Mm-hmm. I think it was the steady cam operator for the film, but hmm. yeah, commentary for the film was really good on the Blu-ray. So did
3: anyone think that the last half of the movie, Shelley Shelley Duvall's character, her arms when she's both going up uh, the stairs at, they were both at her fate like her arms were up at, her hands were at like face level she was holding the knife yeah and she was like wobbling yeah. wobbling up the yeah. stairs everywhere she went she was just her arms were wobbling yeah. and it was, it so, was so distracting yeah. from the movie <laughs> no. it took me completely out of the tension just yeah. going what is this cartoon woman doing well yeah like, do do face this, at
1: that they... moment looked like a character from like a Tim Burton yeah. claymation yeah. I,
3: I thought her character
0: <laughs> the entire time reminded me of like olive oil from popeye she, she is olive,
3: olive oil from popeye, popeye.
1: that's why <laughs>
3: that's why <laughs> my wife at one point was like this is terrible she's terrible <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's like honey
1: well uh do we want to talk about shelly duvall how she was treated in this film
2: yeah that was um on the dvd i have too they had a making of vivian kubrick does it and she interviews yeah and kind of kind of what you were saying like Stanley's really, really awful to her.
1: Yeah, and the film was sh- was shot sequentially, <clears throat> so that's why they're like Shelley at the end of this film, the way that she looks and she is distressed because, like, I guess this the filming of this really did stress stress her out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think in that do- uh, documentary that Vivian did was it was Kubrick's daughter, right? I didn't you know, know if like, it was daughter, or wife, Kubrick or distant cousin yeah i don't know i think they said she was 17 when she was filming it so um, maybe it was his wife (laughs) 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 Who but yeah like he just was like on or off i think there's some shots too in that where he's just like shelly we said roll it or whatever and yeah yeah she's supposed to come out of the hotel and then she
2: doesn't because she heard a different um
0: yeah
1: Thought I went to go get some soup. And then he says, Shelly, what are you doing?
0: Well, I think I I had read, too, on IMDb, like, their trivia space that they tried to, like, make Jack Nicholson very agitated, too. So they just started only feeding him cheese sandwiches, which he hates. Like, that's all for, like, three, no, like, literally three weeks leading up to, like, his, like, kind of as you're saying sequential order like as it like it's closer to him kind of going crazy but yeah they would only let him have cheese sandwiches and he hated cheese sandwiches and like (laughs) apparently like he would come home from like doing 12 hours or you know 14 16 hours
1: staying like because this was in like east london i think that they were filming this and he was staying like in chelsea or something like that so like he was staying like further away i guess from uh, the rest of the cast and crew yeah. so like he would they're saying like they he was hardly getting any sleep to begin yeah with. he
0: would just go home and he'd like just fall on the bed yeah. or like the hotel or wherever fall on the bed and like pass out immediately and like so that agitation that irritation was like a purposeful thing that kubrick was trying and it was very yeah crazy
1: you know, And I think this movie was uh, scheduled to shoot 18 weeks, and it went 51 weeks. Whoa. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is, I think Kubrick, too, he did, he, did it with, he did this with Full Metal Jacket, too. It was supposed to be, like, 18 weeks and went 40-something weeks, almost 50 weeks. <laughs> so, like, almost a year. <laughs> it's hard to say like, as a
2: viewer that it wasn't worth it, but making that?
1: Right. Holy shit. Whoa. But I did, God. there's, maybe it's not, I thought there's a, maybe it's not in that same documentary. That wouldn't make sense. But an interview with Shelley Duvall saying that. It was hard, but I think kind of also saying that it this it wouldn't have been as good if Kubrick wasn't. It was the her. same
2: documentary that she was said the, that yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But I think like sh- sh- her like hair was like falling out and. Jeez. Yeah,
0: I think both of them had made mention that uh, Jack and um, Shelley that this was like the hardest film they've ever made and like it was. Hands down, the most rewarding, and they think about it now, but that, yeah, they they both equate it to the the most challenging roles and the most challenging film that they've ever made.
1: I hear that same thing, too, with the cast from Full Metal Jacket. Mm Because the thing is, like, Kubrick is, like, he, like, each scene, he'll, like, shoot, like, he'll do, like, 30 takes. Like,
0: there's, like, things that I know that he's, like, done 100 like 100
1: takes on. Like the axe to the door scene? Yeah. That would they went through like 30 doors. That'd be exhausting. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to change your sweater cuz you'd be pouring sweat. You'd yeah. have like 50 yeah. sweaters on hand.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. I but did no, hear though that the to get the shot of the the blood coming down the out elevator? Of the elevator? Yeah. Three shots. <laughs> or three like three takes That's all it did. That's yeah. all it took. But I, they
1: didn't want to do anymore, cuz it was too messy. It took like you know? eight
0: well yeah and it was like <laughs> Eight days to like set up yeah. that shot too. Yeah. Oh. So,
3: I remember when watching The Simpsons one, thinking the whole concept of Willie like coming to save the day and spending the whole episode Willie. getting there just to be murdered immediately. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, and that's literally what, what happens. Happened, right? <laughs> right. He spends the whole right. movie coming back to save the day and just gets axed at <laughs> the entrance. Poor. I was, the to, I
0: was trying to figure out how. So. <sighs> in at the beginning of the movie jack talks about it was like a three-hour drive to get up there for him right yeah Mm -hmm. but they talked about then in the interview um like the the hotel manager owner whatever that so there must be a city that's outside of it by like 25 minutes or 30 minutes so is it my understanding that like caloran like he flew in to Colorado, drove five hours to that city, and then rented or got that, like, snowcat and then went up the the I trail? Think that's right. Yeah. Okay, because I was trying to, like, figure out, like, based on, like, the timeline, yeah. too, of, like, how long that trip would have taken for him. But, like, so what? That snowcat goes 25, 30 miles an hour? You think that would have taken two hours to get up there probably?
3: From that give or city? take more or less based on like ha- having to wind in Yeah. And like I, who right. knows if he could be in the main road or if he had to like cut off because mm-hmm. there was too big a drift or something I don't know
2: yeah right yeah cause he's on the plane that's 8am he's on the plane and then and that was a 4, four hour? hour um let's see cause he was coming from Florida oh yeah Florida. he's coming from Florida so yeah yeah that's the timing doesn't make sense because 4pm is when they're in the room and Jack yeah. starts to break down the door so yeah, he got there pretty quick. Yeah.
1: Can we talk about the bear suit? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So was the bear suit? Is I was like, so is there some like uh, child abuse, child molestation thing going on? Because I thought the bear suit looked Maybe. like his bear pillow from the yeah. beginning of the movie. Yeah.
3: So I, I didn't, I didn't watch a bunch of stuff on this one specifically, but I did see that the book it was actually a dog suit. So this is like the smallest change that he made <laughs> because this scene is in the book the whole like seeing the the mascot filleting the suit dude yeah. but it was a dog not a bear so he like okay. it's almost <laughs> like more of an F you to Stephen King like <laughs> yeah. oh I, I kept your scene in psych it's a bear it's a bear <laughs> yeah but then they did bring that up too how that could be foreshadowing with Danny on the bear too so maybe maybe that lends itself more to how this whole spiral of of insanity has been going on for a lot longer and he's actually an abusive sexually abusive father as well
2: oh that's interesting and what what i found too, this watch is um i'm trying to figure out who shines throughout the film we know danny does we know dick does and i think jack does but what really sets it off in the end is the hotel doesn't start to really go nuts until dick dies it's almost like the hotel demanded a sacrifice or something because then wendy can see it because she can't see anything until dick goes down (laughs) So, because oh, yeah. like, she never saw the like <clears throat> rotting woman, right? Right. She didn't see it. Her. Her. Yeah.
1: Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, yeah. Cause she's the one that sees the, the bear. Right. Then what? She sees the blood like in the elevator, right? Yep. And she's
2: all, she mm-hmm. sees all the skeletons in the lobby. Yeah.
1: And there's like a skeleton in the phone booth. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make one last call. Um, Eva one Dick Holleran. Uh, fact here. Um, Anyone like the uh, Transformers cartoon? The original? Yeah. Yeah? Remember Jazz?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dick Holleran. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Scatman
1: Crothers was the voice of Jazz. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, when I heard his voice, I was like, God, why does his voice sound so familiar? It's Jazz. Yeah. All right, Optimus Prime. (laughs) Roll out. (laughs) Nerds. So, do we want to? Uh, so, you said you kind of had issues with the, you know, the arc with Jack, but yeah, it just it just felt you. You brought up a little bit now about like, there's something like this has been going on for longer than sure. the context of this mm-hmm. film. So, it, is the madness kind of already there though? Just See, and like, how I this think, movie in, ends. And I think like, based on like Casey's. Take on that.
0: That makes more sense to me, and we were talking a little bit about this earlier too. But like, I feel like Jack's character is crazy from the onset. Like, I think about the the car ride after he accepts the interview, and he's talking about like the um the Donner Party and kind of like some of his interactions with his son and and wife. Even in the interview, like he just there are these these. Facial expressions in ways that he like that he takes in the information and then responds to him in a way that like I just feel like he is in my opinion like demonstrating that he's not sane. Um, Yeah, and so like that that argument seems way more valid to me and makes way more sense in in helping me kind of uh, put this all together than. Than anything else. So I think that makes a lot more sense of like he's already gone crazy. And I think talking a little bit too about like some of the the things that maybe feel more sh- foreshadowing as well. Yeah. So I like well, that. So
3: logically speaking, there's a caretaker every winter. And this, this is only the, the second tragedy. It's not like they go crazy and kill someone every time. Right, right, right. So that lends itself to be that he was maybe a little bit crazy. But the other thing that that almost contradicts is that clearly they demonstrate the hotel itself has some sort of evil in it mm-hmm. right and it's ver- the thing that I and I thought of this as soon as it happened when he's locked in the storeroom and that ghost dude lets him out that's the first time that the movie like admits to you yes there's something other than him just being crazy there's something else at play here so I I thought that was a pretty important twist there to show that it's not just him being crazy mm-hmm. There's some sort of evil that maybe uh, affects those who are already kind of people. It's kind of like the
0: ooze that goes through, flows through New York. Yeah. Yeah. Ghostbuster 2. Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah. What if, though? What if? And while Casey, I agree with you, but this also gives credence to your bear molestation theory. What if it's not the ghost? Because who else would let him out of the freezer? Wendy wouldn't. What about Danny for the abuse? What if Danny lets him out because he knows he can lead him through the maze? Shine and kill his dad.
3: Because I would assume he—I don't know—he was like not knocked out when the just... ghost was there unlocking the door. He was standing at the door, so he would have presumably opened it, and Danny would have been there. Right. That's true. Unless Danny could like do it with the shine. Right. Maybe they can manipulate. I did things.
1: I don't have anything to back this up, but I did have a moment where I did think this: is that yeah, what if Danny is. Kind of manipulating things here, right? It's like to, I again, I don't have to back it up. That's all I have. But no, I
2: I, I
0: think it's the ghost, but it's just a fun conspiracy right. theory right. that I entertain. So
2: yeah. then Sometimes you think like
1: Danny's
0: also like making his neck, giving himself the bruises, right? Because the bruises disappear
1: later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We'll see. And do you think there's like any kind of like time? Like the part where Jack goes back to the gold room, and it's like the twenties. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah,
0: no, go ahead. I just I noticed something when I was watching. I'm just wondering if anybody noticed this. Was this in the ballroom scene? Yeah, the red butt. Yeah, yeah, the hand yeah. on the butt. I just yeah. noticed that this time. What yeah. the fuck is that? I don't know. Anybody? Wait, Anyone else notice that there so when he is walking to the bathroom, the uh there's a guy uh, holding a tray of drinks that he's like basically spills on him and there's a woman in a white dress that walks by them towards um Towards the, the direction of the bathroom, away from the bar, and you can see there's a red handprint on her butt that when her, like, dress flows, you can see it, and it kind of comes into picture. It was bizarre. I had to, I had to go oh, back and rewatch it and then pause it, and I was trying to figure out what that was or, like, w- like what it was trying to say.
1: Yeah.
3: Do you think that it's, lends itself to the, like, another piece of sexual abuse, like, foreshadowing or, or subliminal messaging? That the handprints placed on the butt—a bloody handprint.
1: Dun dun dun! Uh, I guess the answer would be no. <laughs> uh,
3: I mean, not just a handprint, but a bloody one at that. Uh,
0: yeah, I saw that and I was like, I needed to know what yeah. it was.
1: I know. I, I I saw it the first time. I was like, I had to go back and be like, is that what I actually saw, or I'm yeah. just like, making? Yeah. Because really... it's interesting. Because
0: like the she walks by right when they uh, when the waiter and uh, Jack run into each other. So like that's where your eye immediately goes to is like watching that interaction with like him getting the drinks built on him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw very that. intentional. Yeah.
1: One hundred percent. In the uh, room two three seven, I think that's in there. Oh, do they this, talk about it? cuz i didn't I, did, I didn't get it i didn't understand what they're trying to put together it's okay. something to do with like cuz immediately after that the
0: That's when they go into the bathroom and the then the waiter
1: spills the um whatever well he the spills yellow,
0: a, the drink on him yeah and they, spills the drink on him they, go into, the they go into the bathroom but and then that's again, when you find another, out like
1: kubrick thing kind of like the the uh, office and when he meets the manager in the beginning the way they enter the bathroom like say here's where the spill happened right The lady walks through this way. The bar's here. Then he takes him to the bathroom over here, right? And, like, the way he's entering, he would have to come around, and they would be in the bathroom over here where the spill and the red hand was. And they are like, oh, it's because. And that's how they were standing in the bathroom was aligning to where they were standing in front of the bar. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Your gestures it, are going to play really well, it, well in a podcast. Right. right.
1: <laughs> theater, theater, live theater, stream. theater of the mind. Yeah, yeah. Check Facebook. We're live streaming. <laughs> right. Uh, what? Oh, we can do that. Oh, I'll, I'll do that
3: listening. next time. Yeah. We're going to live favorite, stream the time.
1: Yeah. But anyway.
3: Yeah, I was yeah. actually going to bring that up. That whole scene was phenomenal. How he's like calling the dude out for being the original owner and he's like denying it, but then he starts like telling him the truth. That it's just yeah. so intense
1: and weird. But the and, owner wasn't. Grady. It was Charles. Wait,
3: wasn't no, Grady was no Grady, the Grady was the caretaker. Yeah, Grady was yeah. The caretaker. Sorry, yeah, the, he was the other caretaker that
1: murdered. But earlier they said that they called him Charles. What was Charles it? Grady? Charles Grady. Yeah, yeah, but he, the guy in the bathroom, has a different first name. Oh, I. Yeah, but he just that. calls
3: him Grady because he recognizes right. him. So I think he must have used a different name. Because then he basically admits that he because right then then he goes into detail about how he well you know, he said him.
0: that yeah, he said that I had two daughters, yeah. and a, yeah, so it, it becomes yeah. it is
3: him
2: it becomes yeah. apparent it's, that it yeah, is yeah yeah yeah. it's just two dads talking about how they're gonna hashtag wax dad, like, their families <laughs> right
3: <laughs> wax them so was there any significance to like what's the significance to him being in the painting at the end, just showing the that he's photo? another soul I stolen wish I saw by that. the house.
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah, You didn't see the ending, the best part of the movie?
3: <laughs> oh, also, speaking of the ending, spoilers. Um, the abrupt cut to him just being frozen is But <laughs> yeah, so, so, kind of comical. So no, he's like, like, oh, sh- oh, there he's dead, okay. Yep. <laughs> Which, again, I saw that on The Simpsons first. when yeah. so I saw that that was actually how it happened.
1: The guy he meets in the bathroom is Delbert Grady. The Grady, they, re- Grady. The Grady they referred to earlier is Charles Grady.
3: But oh, so that's even weirder because the guy just talks as if he's the one that did it. Did
1: anyone think Lloyd, the bartender, was probably the kookiest, weirdest, crazy? Gave me the
3: chills. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's still the bathroom for me. I'm like, all right, we're in hell now. (laughs) Just like the red walls.
1: Like, what else? How about the scene where um, she starts looking at his typed pages? Oh man.
3: That's a good oh, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, did you guys know it's a different typewriter every time they pan in on it? Oh, yeah, and all three the uh, different typewriters.
3: Yeah, I did. Oh, not the actual that.
1: I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. I did catch the uh, the even the errors that were oh, there made. Oh, a ton of errors. Yeah. yeah, that was the best. Yeah.
3: Make him a doll boy. <laughs> <Dolbe>. <laughs> doll boy.
1: All right. Hey, Chris. I know you're really passionate about film budgets and box office. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any numbers for us? No, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> I did pull up uh,
3: the top 10 movies of the year. And that was uh, Empire Strikes Back Year.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, we've sweet. done 1980 a couple yeah, times now. Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers well. yeah. um, what else did we do in 1980? <clears throat> Maybe it was just Blues Brothers. I think
0: that's right. Oh, here, Chris. These are.
2: Which is accurate. our
1: number two all time downloaded episode.
0: Blues Brothers. Yeah nice all right so box office uh, it was 46.2 million of a budget of 19 million Roger Ebert gave it four stars let's
1: wait he went back and changed that originally oh. he did not like this film
0: he that's from he, a 2006 review yep Uh yeah. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to, to no, throw you off your No, that's just fine. I'm just taking all your thunder. You should finish this. Oh, no, that's that's all I had. I just wanted
2: to add on that I I did read his 2006 addendum. It's really good. Like I I don't read a lot of Roger Ebert's reviews, but the ones I do, they can be hit or miss. I this one's really good. If anyone has a spare 10 minutes,
3: read it. I don't <laughs> <I'm telling
2: you. laughs> then let me summarize here. yes thank you
0: <laughs> no i won't i feel like there's that's a common thing too where i feel like ebert has like there's some really big movies that he's missed that like are really really good and he's like
1: i didn't <laughs> not it. for me yeah. so do you think this movie gets done today i mean we just had a sequel come out but and I heard the sequel is pretty decent. Yeah, Did you get I a heard to watch like it? what I
0: what I heard was that the sequel is trying to like basically do this like marriage of the book and point. the movie. Well, it, well to sure. your point where you were saying that Kubrick kind of strayed from the book a little yeah. bit, and it's trying to basically take the prequel, the book, and like marry those two, while also trying to marry um, the movie and the actual book, and like try and put it into like one like nice package and basically it's like taking like four different like uh pieces of, of of media and like trying to make it work and i i know somebody said it was decent and, and he liked it and he's a big king fan so what were your thoughts
2: i i could see that i i have the on un, unopened shrink wrap blu-ray on my uh tv stand right now i haven't watched it yet, but i did read the book and um it was a similar similar thing where um When I think of the Shining, I think of the movie. I don't think of the novel. So there is a reclamation of King in that book to say, like, no, 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 that's not what happened. This is actually the Shining that Mm -hmm. you know you should have had in your consciousness. Sorry, like that's nobody thinks that except the most diehard King fans. But it doesn't even. I don't know. Um, It calls upon the Shining, the the book Doctor Sleep does. But other than that, I I felt very little connection between that book and the story he's telling it doesn't feel like a sequel it feels like its own different stephen king novel which i enjoyed is it supposed to be Danny all grown up right yeah it is Yeah, yeah he finds um a younger girl who can shine who's more powerful than he is and it's it's kind of a cool story there's this group of pseudo undead people who tour there or they they live in this like mobile home park and so they um drive around the country like sucking the souls out of people who can shine. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this girl reaches I out to that. Danny and he's realizes he's gotta go save her. It's it's really cool. But Who who plays Danny? Uh Ewan McGregor,
0: okay. I believe. Yeah. 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 Obi Wan. I Obi-Wan. really <laughs> I did like <laughs> your question in the the text, uh the group text about favorite Stephen King adaptation like favorite yeah. movie. So I'm curious. I don't think everybody answered. So
1: my, probably would be Stand by Me. Okay. Um,
3: I mean, it's, for me. It's definitely the uh, made for TV series for it. Oh my God, John Ritter is so good in that. Actually, that thing I actually do not like that at all. Uh, no, Langoliers definitely the Langoliers. <laughs> actually, that movie freaked me out a lot when I was younger. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. It's like an ult- The these uh, they're on a plane and everyone on the plane a handful of them fell asleep and when they woke up everyone else on the plane had just vanished and they ended up landing in this airport and it's like this alternate universe that starts collapsing it's weird and then they have to like fly back through the portal but they have to be asleep again it's it's, weird. it's
2: really good until like the things show up at yeah, the end <laughs> the
3: really yeah. bad like CGI yeah. back in the <laughs> 90s it was bad
2: okay what's yours um it's The Shining, but to okay. be contrarian, I'll say, um, underappreciated on Hulu. I don't know if anyone has a Hulu subscription, but eleven twenty two sixty three, King's King's really um, reverse history of the <gasps> Kennedy assassination. Yes, with it's Franco. so good. It
0: was really good. Yeah. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize that was his. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, I will hand... Yeah. I mean, I liked that a lot, but for sure, Stand By Me. We've yeah. already I don't done know, a podcast on that, and I... That's yeah, an amazing movie. I think it's so. It's well episode
1: done. number one. Yeah, yeah. That we did. The inspiration. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually. I'm really struggling with. I don't know if it's. I'm just fresh off really watching this film, and yeah, it's. But it's probably still Stand by Me for me, but The Shining is a, one a hmm. <laughs> B. so, what would people? What
0: would people? rank this movie or i guess not even rank but like what like on a scale of one to ten or one to five whatever you want to give it on a bit scale of
1: 70 bits i gave it a four out of five on my letterbox four out of five yeah okay
3: yeah i can get with that it's uh it's hard because i don't watch the horror genre the thriller genre even if you want to be so broad as to lump them together I don't watch 10 of those, um, but I really do enjoy the good ones, um, and this is one of the good ones, so I'd give it a 4 out of 5, something like that.
2: Yeah, this is, I, I can't understand how much I love this movie. This is, like, it's in my top 10, if not my top 5, so for, for that sense, it's 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10. I love um, everything, the cerebral elements, the king elements, the king mm-hmm. elements that aren't there. And it's it's really scary. I don't think it's the scariest movie I've ever seen, but it still freaks me out for different reasons every time I watch it. So
1: yeah, I, I love it. How about you, Chris? So you're probably going to give it a two out of five. No, a four I was out just of checking when I give it on Letterboxd <laughs> as well. Um, I gave it three and a half.
0: If I could, I'd give it three and three quarter. Um, I I didn't love it as much. Like yeah. I thought it was really good. I thought visually it was really stunning. I think for me, again, like going back in in this was really a good conversation just because it provided a lot of food for thought. I struggled a little bit with like, again, like that narrative and like understanding, like it felt too fast. And so, you know, after this discussion, that certainly helps provide a little bit more background and, and provide some, an interesting viewpoint. But, um, yeah, I think like Kubrick for me, it's been, this has been a really interesting experience because Kubrick has always been in my head, like a, a, director that i've always really loved um and i i go back and i think of like full metal jacket is the the first one that i saw and like clockwork orange and i i love those movies and i didn't see shining for the first time until i was maybe 23 24 um and then i'd never seen 2001 a space odyssey had never seen um dr strangelove and i find it like his movies, like I really, real Full Metal Jacket, Hands Down, is my favorite Kubrick movie, um, but I feel like his other movies are just have just been okay for me. Like they haven't been as compelling as I thought they were going to be, or as I remembered them to be, hmm. or hoped that they would be based on the the two aforementioned ones. But I really, really thought this was a cool, just uh, audio piece. Was what you were talking about too? The whole like the humming of the wheel when it hit the like, the um, the wood floor versus when it then, like, yeah. became really quiet. And, like, that to me was a really, really cool experience and something that I don't remember that I've probably not noticed in another movie that I can think of. Um, but, yeah, like, I think Kubrick's whole thing is his attention to detail. And, like, his attention yeah. to detail is incredible, yeah. again, like, visually
1: stunning. Um, like, Arlie Ermy said that... Kubrick would—he didn't do this, but he could see a fly flying in a scene that he didn't want there, and he'll make you reshoot that again. Yeah, <laughs> he just like has like in his mind exactly what he wants to see in that shot.
2: Yeah. So was that his favorite or least favorite
1: episode of Breaking Bad? <laughs> was that the uh, Ryan Johnson one? Probably the worst. Right. <laughs> I mean. All
0: right. So but you, you gave it a four yeah three and three quarter but hold on after this discussion would it lift you to a four it probably would yeah because i like knew it yeah probably got him this is a good movie and i I would say that i'm not even
1: really i'm not a big horror fan either like you know like well i share some interests with jamie once in a while we have some talks about it but it's not really like my go-to but
2: Mm -hmm. i'm often on an island with my horror Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah and I just this is so outside I think the genre genre and like the tropes that usually come with that. And it's just and this, this, this movie this like feels rewards more accessible, you.
0: right? Like to like the people who like kind of Yeah, yeah like that to me like it's this not is full a more of like excess, goal, well, yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's easy. It but like it, but like, it doesn't that's like different.
1: it's different. not sh- it's yeah, it's not as I would say. It's not flying of like out of someone's s-
3: empty like neck hole where their head was. Yeah. right. Right. Yeah.
0: I was just I was just listening to another podcast about movies and they were talking. It was uh, Dead Poets Society. They're talking about uh, spoilers. If you haven't yeah. seen Dead Poets. I haven't seen Dead Poets. Have you really? Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: How have you not seen? Because we haven't watched it for this podcast yet. <laughs> oh my god, it so, came out. So- we'll do
1: that in season three. All right.
3: All the movies, Chad. Isn't I the think show. for season three. Can, I w- can you I w-
1: what I, <laughs> I'll edit that one out.
3: <laughs> well, I, I want to go back to the soundtrack a little bit because I think yeah. the other thing, to your point when mm-hmm. you said you haven't heard the like wheels on and off the carpet or whatever, those subtle like important details. I think the problem with a lot of soundtracks and movies is they never use silence, mm-hmm. and I think he embraces silence enough to offset the other tones yep. he uses. I like that. Um, so call. it really gets your mood. It, your mood goes with the movie exactly how it should and he like dictates that using the music and the silence
1: yeah I like that there was
3: a point, part I had to turn it down because the the soundtrack it was when it was getting really intense and there was like a high pitch frequency that just got me because we had it up pretty loud i had to turn it down because it really was trying to get you uncomfortable there's
1: a part of that moments. score where i was like am i in 2001 again yeah that, <laughs> right? i think that's it right like, it's like, a, like the it's where's sharp. the mono, where's the monolith yeah, <laughs> yeah. i, I think, think
3: it's a tony it. scene yeah. yeah he did a
0: great job with like that piece of like making creating some of that suspense and some of that like anxiety and yeah. kind of ratcheting it up as the movie went along yeah, there's a couple times, too, where I was like, oh, God, this is just, I'm uneasy. <laughs> What's she doing in that bathtub? <laughs> What's going on?
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't. And I love that when he comes back to the apartment after that, hey, no, nothing's in there, guys. <laughs> no worries. I wasn't just making yeah, out yeah. with a corpse.
1: <laughs> I'm sober now, though. I'll tell you what. Jeez. I was so drunk. No, yawning already? Anything else? Oh, no, sorry. I think mm. I probably close this one out. Yeah, I'm good. It's a good discussion almost. You know, I will
0: say that I really like the transition, though, um, of him looking at the hedge maze from above while they were walking through it and then coming down and, like, going, transitioning to them then, like, in the middle of, like, finding their way.
1: That's, like, the only, like, real special effect in that movie.
0: Yeah, but I thought it was really cool. And, like, not not a great movie. Um, The movie Highlander. Uh, not a great movie, but there are, no, there are like three or four transitions in that movie that are stunning, like that are really, really cool and like really thoughtful. Um, and that's one of the few things it has going for it, but that's what it made me think of. I got to see that movie still. I mean, or skip, skip
2: it. <laughs>
3: Oh, I just want to call out uh, what a really clever play by Danny at the end to backward step his foot Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I didn't then, want to mention that. You, they show him like carefully backstepping, and the tension's so damn high there, which is so great. He's like, he's moving so slowly. You're like, come yeah. on. And so he backs really up a good. few, and then when he dives to the side and starts brushing, I was like, damn, kid, you were smart.
1: Yeah. That maze scene is cool. Back to, like, the, really quick, the the theme of, like, the Native American genocide again. It's, like, when, earlier in the movie, when Shelly and Danny are running to the maze, like, that first time they go in it, there's, um, God, what does she say? She says, uh, the loser has to keep America clean.
3: Yes, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and he says something to one of the bartenders, too. What does he say? White man's when white, white man's, man's burden. Burden, yeah. So I think there's a lot. Of... Give
1: me the hair of the dog that bit me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene too, like um, it's after I think that first night that they're there, and he wakes up and he's like, you know, or because she, Shelley is like Wendy's like telling him like how the place is kind of freaking her out, and he's like, you know, it kind of felt like I've been here before. It's like I like I knew it was going to be around every corner. I was like deja vu. But it kind of plays into this, like maybe it's like this manifestation that is yeah, reoccurring. Yeah. But all right, before we go, let let you know new episodes will drop every Friday on your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, remember to please share, like, and subscribe. Please send us your questions and comments, read on the show. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod. And homework for the next couple episodes. We're going to do Full Metal Jacket. And then we're going to step into the world of David Fincher. Is that correct? Yeah. And we're going to do Zodiac and Social The Network. Social Network. Yes. That would be the first two we do from Fincher. So, All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. And see you next time. Bye. Bye.